0: An unearthly hello to my fellow horror enthusiasts. Welcome to the Writers of Horror podcast. The Writers of Horror is a community for horror creatives, a place to connect with other horror enthusiasts and to elevate your horror writing. Find out all about us at, horror- at writersofhorror.org. I'm Danny Wilcox. I'll be your host for today. And today I am absolutely thrilled to have the wonderful Josh Malaman in my clutches. Hello, Josh. Hello, everybody. A full arc of a wave to everyone. Hello. (laughs) Everyone listening, just a wave of a hand. (laughs) And just for people that don't know who Josh is, Josh Maleman is an award-winning novelist, short story writer, film producer, and one of the two singer-songwriters for the rock band The High Strung. He is probably best known for his smash sensation Bird Box, which was translated to Netflix Films in 2018, featuring Sandra Bullock. And in 2020, Josh founded the production company Spinner Black Yarn with manager Ryan Lewis, Their first film, We Need to Do Something, was shot in secret during the COVID-19 pandemic. Josh, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, excited to be here, excited to talk horror and process or pets, whatever you have in mind.
0: Wherever the hell it goes, I might even go into, you know, how much protein you have in your cereal in the mornings. Um, (laughs) But I want to kind of preface this because for people who might be interested, um, on my other podcast, Activated Authors, uh, which was formerly Great Writers Share, I do a lot of podcast hopping, um, there is a full interview with myself and Josh back from 2020 around mid-pandemic in which we dive into a lot of like creativity stuff there. So I will link to that for people who might want to listen to some of that stuff. Um, and we're going to try and get a bit more into horror. But first my big question, and this is based off of our last interview, based off of something that you said within that is Josh Malaman, are you still in writing shape?
1: Oh yeah. So <laughs> I did something, I did something pretty crazy recently. Um, I don't, let me, let me give you the shortest version of this. I, <laughs> I just don't really, I don't really feel like I'm able to fully express myself in either Twitter, or Facebook, Instagram, these, these social media platforms. I mean, there are people who, that they're great at it, and that's how they talk to people on a daily basis and this kind of thing. But I've never felt that through those platforms, I was able to express how I feel about writing. So about three books ago, I was like, hey, man, you should, um, you should make a documentary of the writing of this novel. You know, while you while you write this, Josh, you should you should film it, right? And I was like, okay, that sounds like way too much work. No, I'm not doing that. So I wrote that book. Then two books ago, I was like, dude, you should you should make a documentary of this. And I was like, no, 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 it's too much work. And for whatever reason, this last time around, I was like, let's do it. Let's do it. So <clears throat> some producers, amazing producers got on board. And they helped me get like the better gear, like the right audio and a slightly better camera. Um, and 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 best of all, anything I filmed would be immediately uploaded to a, to a cloud that they who are, I'm in Michigan, they're all the way in California, that they could um, like essentially view the dailies. And so they would weigh in on what I was doing and blah, blah, blah. And it really sort of became this like summer camp vibe where we were all so excited about this. <laughs> and essentially it's just me filming the process that don't imagine me writing the whole time you know it's talking you you can write you can imagine and so not only did I write the novel but filmed 50 hours worth of footage of it and it's being edited together like as we speak for like a featured documentary on the writing of a novel so to answer your question since then and that was only a few months ago since then, the band released an album. I uh, did a couple, what do you call it? I guess you could almost say like movie scores for no movies, though. Like sort of instrumental albums. Um, And I was just talking to Allison last night about the next book, which I feel like I could start tonight even. So definitely in shape. Oh, I also rewrote the newest book. Definitely in shape. Um, but wow, that experience of documenting was, yeah. that was, that was a different, different animal, man.
0: How how does that look from your side of things and what benefit do you feel like that has given you as a creative? A documentary? Yeah. I, I the, the reason I ask is because you, you say that a couple of books ago. I did very, very similar, but mine was much more, I imagine, low budget. It was just me filming the screen as I did stuff with a little window of me explaining what I was doing as I was doing it. Um and I I kind of got a few hours into that and then went, This is slowing me from writing. But I'm interested no, no, to know what the full it, it's experience intent, would
1: be. Right? Yeah. Wow, I'm so glad that you did that because I have not talked to anyone that that could relate like this. Um, it's heavy. <laughs> it's heavy. And, mm-hmm. you know, think about it this way, though. I had the producers who were like, hey, this is great, or, you know, shot in the arm. So think about how long or how far that might have taken you had you had a bunch of other people weighing yeah. in saying, oh, this is amazing, keep going, right? So there was that. Um, and then once it got to a point where it started to feel like like okay like you already shot this this way how are you going to do today what creative thing are you going to do for the documentary today what but but they kept coming ideas kept coming whether it was talk about this subject or film it from this angle or or oh there's there's a section where the camera's just on the ground and it's just my boots like pacing back and forth off camera while I'm discussing like a big decision in the book I started thinking in terms of you know how to make the actual visuals a little more interesting than a dude just sitting at his desk right yeah and but the ideas kept coming and then about the time where I reached the end started to of the book started to feel like I was running out of ideas for the film filming side and so there was a there was a sense that I had of I was like okay this is this is a wrap you know like because there, there was some talk like oh maybe we could film the rewrite Then then we can film eventually the release of the book. I mean, who knows when that will be, you know? (laughs) So to me, it was like, no, this is very contained. It is the actual just writing of the book and this story. I wasn't just done with the book. I was done with the documentary.
0: Yeah. Did you find any, because I found that the way that I tend to write, I'm very, um, I always say that if you're on, you know, the left side is sort of just panting and just writing what comes versus, you know, heavy plotting. I'm very much more leaned towards just write as it comes. And having to explain that process as I did it forced I don't know, it forced me out of the flow in some way. It was was a bizarre experience. Like, there was definitely benefit because it made me more, for want of a better word, structuralize how I write and kind of think about a bit more methodically. But at the same time, as I was like relaying everything, I was like, ah,
1: it's pulling me away from the the heart of why I get into the flow. Well, okay. So my book, and I think we talked about this last time, my book, Carpenter's Farm, Mm -hmm. was, excuse me, was essentially written as live as you could write a book, right? So I would write a chapter, post it on the website, write a chapter, post it on the website. And so I already had the, I guess you'd say the experience mm-hmm. of something similar to what you're saying, where it's, i at some point I started, had to think ahead with Carpenter's Farm. I couldn't just pants it. I mean, I was pantsing it, but I had to be aware, like alert. And it yeah. wasn't just like, it wasn't quite the same as just anything goes because you're doing it in front of someone. So- this had a bit of I'm definitely a pantser. This had 90% of that, but there there was also this element of hey Josh, you should know where you're going because um otherwise we're gonna have to like backtrack and 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 not just on the book but on like the filming. Although there's also this though. Think about how interesting it is in the documentary if the writer starts saying what you just said, that mm. you feel like filming it is screwing up what you're doing. So There were a couple of times early on where I said to the producers a couple of things. I don't remember what, but it was like, oh, this is making me feel like this or that. And they're like, great. Talk about that. Mm. And I was like, oh, right. Yeah. And so they kind of opened some. And that's what I mean, having other people on board, right? Yeah. Kind of opened some doors for me in terms of like, hey, man, anything goes. And then they're like, that's probably going to be the best part of the documentary is when you're not sure if you should be making it. Yeah, I think
0: that's really testament to that kind of um, I guess the imposter syndrome that comes from being especially like younger writers. And when you get more and more into creating the stories, you have that kind of wants to be perfect. You want the process to be perfect. And like you say, like it's, that's never going to be a thing. It's, you know, those those hardships are the things that we all face, but it's the things that we try to hide the most. Right.
1: And, and like, think- oh, man, I watched like a 21 minute um, sort of thrown together version of this thing. Uh, it's gonna be a feature, but I saw 21 minutes, and honestly, I was watching. I was like, "This guy's crazy." <laughs> I'm like, "This guy is nuts." Because there's a scene. Wow, there's a scene where I'm showing the audience uh, all the um, horror vinyl in my office, and I, there's so many of them. And I'm like, so I usually write to this one or this one. I'm showing all these, and then it strikes me on camera that I don't have the rights to any of this music. How am I gonna play this while I'm writing? Yeah. And so there's, on camera, I'm like looking at the camera, I'm like, oh no, I think that me and my band, I think we need to make my own soundtrack for this, our own soundtrack. So, cut, <laughs> me and my bandmates are recording, we're like in the studio recording the soundtrack for the documentary, but, and I'm going to be, for the rest of the documentary, I'm li- I'm playing that music as I'm writing. And just little things like that, where you're like, totally couldn't have planned for that. But that's a major moment because, not, not to talk about myself like this, but it shows Like a writer who's like, oh my God, I have to even make my own music for this? Talk about (laughs) do-it-yourself. Just everything.
0: (laughs) Everything is done by you. And that's, I I guess, you know, we we touched a little bit on this last time as well, but, you know, you're very much a creative. You're someone, music, film, book, whatever it is that sort of art persuades you to to visit, that tends to be where you go. Um, And since we last spoke, you have launched a film production company Um, talk to me a little about that journey and how that kind of happened over the last three years and what the kind of things you're doing with Spinner Black Yarn.
1: Well, it's been amazing because at first it was, there was a sense of, um, you know, Bird Box came out and did well. And Ryan and I, well, Ryan was a producer on that, but we like, you know, we didn't have any say, you know, that, that, that book was optioned before the book even came out and it's my first book. So we had literally no say we were included and it was a warm thing. Like I told you. But you know, we didn't have anything to say. So Ryan was like, hey, next time we should be producers, we, we should be producers on whatever you do from now on. So there sort of became the initial goal, and it's still the main goal. It was like, what can we get made of, of mine? Well, you know, there's 37 novels, there's 40 short stories, there's soundtrack stuff, there's all this stuff. What can we get made? And at some point it was like, wait a minute, what about other people's books as well? And that's when Max Booths. Uh, we need to do something, and we worked with like Haley Piper and Jonathan Jans and um, a lot of people. And and that side of it is incredible. I will say that it's it's taken me a moment to like, what's the right phrase? Like grasp like the business side, N- mm. not the meetings or the or this or that or the contract. That's not what I mean. I mean almost like the how how slow it all moves. Because on the art side, you are hundred percent in control. If you want to, if you want to rush through your novel, <laughs> you know, ill advised. Go ahead, you know. Like you literally can do anything. But it's that's not the case with uh, other producers and the studio and cast and stuff. So there's a certain. I'm an impatient artist, and there's a certain patience, yeah, on the business side that you have to have, or you're going to lose your mind. So it's taken me a while to like swallow that. Aside from that, working with Ryan in this way and really watching him like, man, he's so good at pairing up like, a, like a, a story, an existing story with like a potential director. So we'll have a meeting with the director, knowing nothing about each other really, right? Someone put us in touch, that kind of thing. We'll have a meeting and the guy will be talking what he's into, blah, blah, blah. And I'll be thinking of all the books, you know? And then Ryan will suddenly be like, you know, you, you might like this story. And I'm thinking that story, like, where did that come from? And then, you know, now uh, there was a great example of that where now that story is with is with Universal, is with uh, Jordan Peele's company, oh. uh, Monkey Paw, and I have no idea what connection Ryan saw between this short story and that director, and and here it is, and he's brilliant at that. So there's that side of it on the business side that's like super interesting to me, like the pairing up or the making the building of the team. Right? Like this director, that idea, this look, this music, that side of it is like super exciting. But again, man, do I wish it could all move faster. Yeah. What's the sort of average, would you say, time span between that initial meeting towards a film being produced? Oh, man. Well, Mm -hmm. an interesting thing about we need to do something is Ryan had a brilliant idea there where we had gone to the director originally in looking for funding. And he read the script and he was like, you know, I'd actually like to make this movie myself. And we were like, whoa, because we weren't planning on that at all. Right. And Ryan and we were really excited because we love this guy. But Ryan had the brilliant idea of in the contract saying, "Okay, I mean, you're the first person we went to, so we don't want to have a scenario where you say you want to do it and then it just sits there for years. Right. So in the contract, Ryan was like, you said you want to do it right away, but now you have to within the year. And if huh. you don't start it within the year, then, then we're going to bring it, we're going to shop it elsewhere. And I I never considered that as a thing to include in a contract. I think it's a brilliant idea. You're saying you want to do it. Okay, well, then there should be no problem that it's in the contract. And you're not, you know, you're not trying to like call someone out. You just don't want to say yes to the first person. And then this thing is stuck yeah. for five years when it could have been shopped somewhere else. So little things like that, where I'm watching Ryan work and, pairing things up and those kind of stipulations where you're like, man, this dude is smart, man. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a
0: skill. And, and the um, frustration as well, that having things options, I mean, the, um, the other stories podcast, which I do with um, some of the Hawken Cleaver guys, we've had options on that a few times over the last five years and you just sit there and wait. And those contracts tend to be quite long. And if nothing happens, nothing happens. And like you say, that's almost just wasted time. Um, What would you say for people who are, in horror, they're writing books, and they're interested in getting their books into some form of film production. What expectations should they have? And is there anything you should proactively be doing as a writer
1: to to try and transfer over into that medium? Well, there's a couple of things that come to mind. One is not being afraid at all to reach out to other directors in the genre or actors or writers, like, like just in a general sense. I think that the horror scene is like a lot for as wide and expansive as it is it's also like smaller than you might think mm-hmm. meaning that like and, and we're all so like vehemently in love with with all this and there's a million instances of like a quote unquote unknown actor or director or whatever first time making something brilliant right so I don't I can't think of anyone in the scene that would like not even or that would be like offended by an email you know I can't even imagine that so why not like reach out to everyone? whether it's producer, director, actor, whatever, and actually say like, hey, I have an idea, you know, this kind of thing, that's one. Another one is if you've got it in you to um, convert your book to a screenplay. So think about, and I don't necessarily know how much of that I have in me. I've done it a few times and House of Bottom Lake was picked up by Netflix with me doing that. So there's some, that's awesome, but it's not home for me. It's not like the script is not home for me. And, but someone like Max, he made a, he wrote, he wrote the book. Then he writes the script. Right. Mm-hmm. And when we went to that director or for funding, but whatever, he ended up directing <laughs> when we went to him, we didn't just say, here's an idea. We said, here's a script. Yeah. And there was a, that's a big difference. And so, you know, you may feel like, let's say someone, I don't know, in his apartment and it could be anywhere, Bristol, Detroit could be anywhere. And you may think like, oh, nobody cares about my book or no one's read it or whatever. I do you also do a screenplay. What the hell is it? You know, what's the point of that? Well, it could be a big point. It, it could be something you're good at, number one. You could love doing it, number two. And number three, it could shortcut something because if you have the actual script finished, you're no longer just saying, I have an idea. You're saying, here is the idea, you know, for you to read. So those are a couple of things that come to mind reach out and don't be afraid to. you and also take initiative and do and just go take it the next step whether or not someone tells you you should or not mm, i love that it's definitely um
0: seems to be a sense of artists needing to be a bit more proactive with stuff than maybe they used to in the past because it used to obviously be quite a i say straightforward obviously it wasn't but you know give your stuff to an agent to whoever and it will go to a publisher and, and so on and so forth whereas now, like you say, you can create all of that stuff, you can speak to the people, you can email out, you can reach out. Um, I mean, you said yourself, you know, when we last spoke, was it 17 novels that you had written before you even looked at reaching out to
1: agents and things to get that done? So there were 14 when Bird Box came out. Yeah. Um, I think there were like something like 10 when uh, that friend of mine sent Goblin to Ryan Lewis and blah, blah, blah. So, I, and I st- still, still, I'm not the one that even thought of reaching out. It was my friend from <laughs> my that was like, let me send one of these out. But I just want it to be understood for a, a listener who, uh, who I've never met or hasn't heard me. Writing was never like a hobby for me. That's a word that, like, I, for like someone like me, the word hobby just sounds like so wrong. It was never like, oh, this is fun. No, I'm it was patronizing. Bit, it? When someone's like, you got a nice hobby. It is, it is a bit, yeah. It'd be, it, it, only because it's like, it makes it sound so like light. And I'm just going to like, Maybe I'll write a book tonight, you know? And you're like, no, 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 no. Hold on. So it wasn't a hobby. I just, I was playing in the band. We're playing out in different cities. I'm writing novels. I'm like talking about them constantly with other like writers and uh, musicians and, and 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 like very keyed in on all this, but simply had no concept of what to do with any of it. But also had this sense that, hey man, one day these are going to be on the shelf, whatever that means. I don't know how that's going to work and and when i was doing this though like starting this cuz like the first one was written in the well you can argue 05 but it was like the very very end of 04 and the the idea of self publishing was very different back then mm-hmm. and so had i started right now i have no question that i would have self published like all all of them like as they yeah mm-hmm.
0: How have your thoughts changed about that now? Because obviously, you know, you've got you've got that path already. You've got the platform. You've got the success with you know agents and all the things that are going on. Is there any part of you that is intrigued by self-publishing still, or is it very much just you know?
1: Yeah, like- yeah, definitely. In in definitely in terms of um, like there's 25 novel you know backlog in this office, right? Mm-hmm. There's two crates full. And and again, it wasn't that I like felt like I hadn't written well enough to shop it. I I just I, like so I'm. I'm confident in all of these. There isn't, I wouldn't call any of them a quote unquote trunk novel. There's a few ideas I've started that I stopped in my life, you know, that kind of thing. But there aren't, there's not a book that I finished that I was like, oh, well, that was a lemon. Let's put that away. No, <laughs> love them all. There's just, there isn't room to put put them all out when you had 14 written before being published and you write two a year continuously. So, does the idea of, you know, self publishing, is there, there's some, Yes, it's, I mean, there's something romantic. It sounds like an outlet. It -hmm. sounds like another, a a different way of getting more things out there. At the same time, I don't want it to rub up against what I'm doing with Del Rey. So there's some, a bit of a juggling act there, but there are ways like the Cape, Goblin, uh, and This is the Day of the Pig. Those were all came out, you know, as uh, limited editions first. Mm -hmm. So, and then Del Rey picked up goblin and on this today the pig and a house lake and so you know that not only did that not rub up against del rey it actually ended up they ended up bringing them wider so there's there's a juggling act there but there also are avenues to putting out more than just one book a year yeah well since we're kind of I'm, i'm going to be a little bit selfish in my questions just just
0: for this one um because I've kind of gone self-published from the start and I'm looking now more at getting into the agent path and looking at a few more traditional avenues. And I've actually um, been booked to pitch to some agents in a few months time. What would you say is your advice when pitching a book to an
1: agent? I can only speak from like what I've seen with Kristen. Um, But remember, I didn't pitch to her. Um, I was already with Ryan Lewis, the manager who did. Him and the lawyer Wayne Alexander. So they brought Bird Box to her. But I have heard her talk enough or seen posts enough to understand that she, it seems like nobody's um what's the right word? Like I might have thought before this to like, hi, I'm you know, I'm Josh and you know? i my aim in writing is to do this, and my and my, you know, it seems like they it's just like. Get to to it, like distill it as, 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 as solidly as you can Mm -hmm. make sure that you're talking about like the, you know, because you and I, as writers, we're not thinking of our books in these landmark moments or these, we're thinking of like the artistry and like the, the weaving of like a, like amazing thing to us. But in terms of pitching it, really try to distill it down to these are the bones. This is what matters. This is what's exciting. And it's not really my style, probably not yours to look at your own work that way. Because to me, the beauty of uh, Bird Box isn't, the, um, isn't necessarily like the premise, and that would be the pitch, right? To me, the beauty of that book is is that it just seems to hold like one note, the entire novel, just one, boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom, the whole novel. Can you imagine pitching that? So I wrote a book, <laughs> and it kind of just holds one note through all 300 pages. We love she it. Says, um, this is not interesting, you know. But if I came up to her and I was like, "Okay, so the concept, the premise is that if you look at the monsters, you go crazy. It's a mother, and you know, a pregnant woman. So that's almost like um, counterintuitive to me, and and maybe you and most writers yeah. to look at your own book that way. But if you're going in front of a, an agent, they pr- they likely want like, these are the bones. This is what it's about. This is how it fits into the modern world. Here we go. Interesting. Thank you for
0: that. Um. Let's dive into a bit more of the actual spooky horror side of stuff. I'd love to know a little bit more about um, what your entrance into horror was and, you know, why you tend to lean towards the darker side of fiction. Because I know that's not all that you're about, but, you know, it tends to be the way that things skew. So where did kind of horror begin for you? Um,
1: the first book was a Dean Kuhn's book. Um, uh, the Face of Fear. And I think that's the one that takes place entirely in an office building. And so someone like gets off work or whatever, there's a killer on the loose, whatever it is, and he's in the building or whatever. But it was my first experience with reading a novel where like all just took place in one setting, Hmm. you know? And I was like, oh, wait a minute, this is unbelievable. This is all, they're still in the, the whole, and not not only did it take place all in one setting or one building, but it was like the most thrilling thing ever. And I think that prior to that, you know, my concept of the of the album, the novel was really expansive. you know, I was reading a lot of um I mean, if you think about like the classics and stuff, you know it'll span like even continents or families mm-hmm. or homes or generations, you know, this was an office building. I can't mouse in an office building, you know, and I was like, oh man, this and and the propulsion but the the real selling point for me or the real moment I was sold was my uncle showed me uh, or gave me a VHS copy of Twilight Zone, the movie. And I, if we talked about this before, sorry. I don't but, think we have. Okay, and it was what a way to be introduced to the genre. It was my first scary movie I ever saw. And what a way to be introduced because it was four or five very different stories that were all considered horror. So, You had the first segment, which was like a social commentary. You had the second segment, which was like a heartwarming Spielberg directed. You had the third segment, the Joe Dante, where the kid can do anything with his mind. And so so that was like horror as elastic as it gets. And the fourth segment was the creature feature, the monster on the airplane. And so it was almost like a full education of the genre. There's even like gothic elements in that movie. It was a full education of the genre and the um, elasticity of the genre in the very first movie I saw. So it's the first movie I had seen was Friday the 13th, right? I might have been like, I might have thought at 10, 11, 12 that horror was like just, you know, stab them, which you know, I love those movies, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. I might have thought that was, that was it. And that it's something like Twilight Zone stretched that, but no, I had the inverse which is said immediately the genre is stretched and something like Friday the Thirteenth is just one is one avenue you one can take. Second movie I saw was Creepshow. Show. So again, four or five, maybe, yeah, I think there's five in that one. Yeah, there are. And five segments, those are a little more similar in terms of how they're shot and mood, and they're all definitely like, you know. And but still, very different like settings, this you know character, like uh, dynamics that uh, one is Stephen King plays a character all alone in one. Uh, that that follows the family father's day one, you know, this kind of thing. And so right away my introduction to the genre was like super wide. Uh, and I and I think that translates immediately to bird box followed by Black Mad Wheel, followed by Unberry Carol, followed by inspection is that and someone will say, oh, your books are like so different. And I and I think, yeah, maybe they are. And I wonder how much of that has to do with that immediate introduction to the genre. It makes a lot of sense. It's a good uh, yeah. blueprint to begin with, yeah. Um
0: And what keeps you excited about horror? Because, you know, you've got all these classic films, you've got all the classic books and things, and, you know, I I came into horror probably, what, 15, so about 17 years ago. Um, I'm still playing a lot of catch-up with some of the classics, but I'm very much enjoying just this surge of fresh horror and some of the amazing names and talent that's there now. Um, What is it that keeps you excited in coming back to
1: creating art within this genre? I mean... I. You know, I've said this before, but the, to me, there's just some something almost borderline innocence, like this child. It's almost like this um, what's the right word? Um, like a like I've sustained like an arrested development, a cherished arrested development, because I am still able to believe the constructs of the horror story, believe the monster, believe the horror for the duration of the film or the book. So, meaning. I get scared. And so there's still, like, you know, you would think only a child would be scared of this demon story, you know, that demons aren't real, you know. And the great ones, not only do I believe in it for the duration of the story, but also some amount of days following. You know, I saw <laughs> paranormal activity in the theater, and all my friends were like, that was junk. And I was like, chilled to the bone. <laughs> and all my friends were like, making fun of it. I was like, Mm -hmm. And I like went home and I slept (laughs) with the lights on for like three days. And and I think about, I think about that sort of cherished, like it's almost like holding on to childhood, but not in a resisting adult way. It's just aware that that wonder, that, that dark magic of horror, like I can't imagine ever, what's the right phrase? Um, I can't imagine ever entering writing a novel without that. I can't imagine ever, like, you know, with a trend in mind or like, well, I got to hit these beats and I got to ramp up the scares and I got to, no, 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 no. It's all, it all comes from like a, like, oh my God, what if this happened? What what if this happened? You know, it's like, so, it's so exciting, you know? I'm working on one, hopefully very soon about a vaudeville troupe, you know? So in like the thirties, you know, who are like, traveling from town to town and they start to discover that they can um what's the right phrase they can do anything they can levitate without uh, an apparatus they can juggle the features of their face they can sneeze their nose off they can they're like starting to like really like bizarre and it's all almost like wow but then they also start to realize that there's one entity in the audience that's been in a, every show of theirs and they start to realize that they've been performing for this whatever it is you know, have to keep performing for whatever it is, despite being <laughs> scared. So imagine, you know, it's almost like you're on um, like a hallucinogenic. This is so fun, mm-hmm. you know what? Like, wait a minute, what's going on here? You know, so, <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm, I'm 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 not entering that thinking like, oh, uh, vaudeville is hot right now, or yeah. or like, oop, I need a home invasion or family dynamics are in right now. You know, no, no, no. <laughs> this is like, this is like, dude, what if a troupe. Suddenly, could do any a horror, horrifically anything on stage. You can saw each other in half for real, and then they're okay. You know, like this, this kind of thing. You know, that's there's a lot you could do with that. There's so much you could do yes, with that. Yes. Man, I know. So <laughs> it's like that's like it's pure adrenaline, like childhood excitement for that. That's what keeps bringing me back to the genre. Is when I see that in like other writers and filmmakers and actors and stuff. But I will say this. Despite everything I just said, there are certain writers where you can like sense that they are going for a bestseller or something, but Mm -hmm. like, but I also respect, like if they do it really well, I kind of respect that too. Like, I'm not like that, but I'm not over here like saying like, ew, this sellout. No, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I read a book recently. I don't have to give the name, but I was like, this is obviously, this person's obviously trying to write a bestseller. And then I was also like, but they're good at it. And that was interesting too. Like, I'm not an <laughs> ilk, I'm not of that world, but I almost see it, you know, as a songwriter, I almost see it as like someone who sets out to like write a pop song. Yes. Yeah. And, and yeah. whereas me and my band, we don't really look at things that way, you know, we, we don't at all. But I still do respect like, like the Brill building where like Neil Diamond, like that whole era. And obviously the Beatles had some of that in them. They wanted to write hits. Yep. And so, yep. so there, I do have a respect for the people who can pull that stuff off
0: have you ever been tempted to the dark sides i say that with with joviality but the sort of more commercial side of things or have you because you, to me you seem someone who's very much firm in your artistic roots but has there ever been that kind of part of you that has kind of wondered or pulled or you know been tempted over to something a bit more um again for well, one i part, was like i
1: know. had like i don't even know what that might be for me in this like i don't even know exactly what mm-hmm. that would mean like and I, I don't mean that I don't get your question. I do, but I'm not sure. Like, like I, I had an offer, you know, someone else's like idea to write this novel, that kind of thing. Like, no, 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 no. I, I, not that I don't think that idea was good. I just that that's not where I'm coming from, or something. Um, no, I would not say. Uh, yeah, maybe like there's sometimes where like if things are going a little weird or whatever, you're thinking like, man, if I just wrote this kind of book, maybe it would be like everything would be better, you know. But no way, I can I can't imagine sitting down to actually do something to like you know ask someone for a list of trends or to find out what other people are doing. I guess I simply cannot imagine that. Or, or even um, what's the right phrase? Like you know, if people are like werewolves are in, then be like, okay, then I'm writing a werewolf novel. Like, no, I can't. Yeah, I can't. I can't do that. If I was already like, if tomorrow somebody said vaudeville is in well i'm already i'm already there so yeah i've, I've come to it from a from a, a real place or something a pure place it doesn't sound like that but you know what i mean yeah there's um I can't, I
0: can't, I... you
1: can't imagine approaching things from that other that other angle yeah are you familiar with them um, is a british folk singer frank turner mm-hmm
0: one of, I can't remember which song it is. One of his um songs, the lyrics. Uh, somebody told me that music with guitars was going out of fashion, so I had to laugh. This shit wasn't fashionable when I fell in love. If the hipsters move on, why should I give a fuck? And every time I yeah. listen to that, I'm like, oh, that's so just.
1: Oh, beautiful. dude, dude, I have the book right here. There's a group of us authors that each yes wrote I a story. I, I'm in that book. Oh
0: yeah, I because um I so I went to uh, Chillicon last year and met Mr. Tim Leban. Um, yeah, and got yep. him to sign it for me because we had a we had a right riff yep. up about it. It was
1: with Tim, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I saw Frank earlier. This this not relevant to the podcast, but I saw Frank a few weeks ago at one of his gigs, and sensational as always. Wow, awesome,
1: Yeah, yeah so no, you I was asked because probably because I'm a songwriter, blah, blah blah, and I and and I can't. Where's well, the book? It's like right here. I'm looking MI at my tragedies. Off. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's right up here somewhere. But anyway, I don't. I'm sure. I think, I I think it's covered by another book right now. I think well, my sound says
0: yeah I, I could geek out about Frank for, forever um oh now I've lost my absolute train of thought there's something about um so obviously like you say that you know sticking with the heart of your creativity is just who you are um and I think there is something as well to be said about the people who do just write from that place of experimentation from just what they're feeling um I yeah. mean I spent the last sort of three four years ghostwriting as well as writing my own fiction and in ghostwriting, it was a lot of that kind of formula it, yes what tell me exactly what that means so so, so i would have um creatives hand me outlines for books and then i would turn those outlines into full eighty thousand word manuscripts
1: wow you did that like was that impossible like or was no, it I, like, I wrote quite a lot of them <laughs> i met someone else recently who i or i didn't meet her recently i love this woman and she told me that she's in that too and i'm like wow what? i have no like is there like crazy pressure that the person's gonna like Hate it because it's not you. Like I mean, or no? You I, think like, I, d- yeah, I think no. Yeah, it depends on it depends on the
0: process. I mean, they if they're good enough at giving you the outline and having those early conversations, and you know they'll ask for like a sample of the first sort of ten thousand words or something just to know that you're on the right track. That's fine. But I think you have to as um someone who's commissioning something goes right, you have to allow for some kind of um elasticity sure. between your idea and what gets delivered. But yeah, broadly speaking, there was only so I I ended up I think it was twenty seven books I did in four years minim- at least. Um. And out of those, I think there was only one really that had a problem. And that was because the outline just didn't deliver
1: how big the manuscript should have what they wanted the manuscript to be. Wow. This is man. I almost I wish that we lived up the street from each other and we could just go to the pub and like talk about this more. I, I'm really, I'm really interested. Like I that sounds it sounds like pressure cooked to me, which you're you're mm-hmm. saying it's not. But also why do you think? you're able to do that many books in four years or whatever, like why wouldn't you be able to do that many um, just of your own ideas and in, in, in the same time? So this is I think kind of where my point was circling around to. So okay. I've recently
0: finished a novella, which is probably the, the book that I'm most proudest of because it was one in which I let all expectation go. I think when you surround yourself in um, an environment in which you've got ghost writers who are obviously they're putting out lots of books because it is the commercial game, they are formulate that kind of things when you're embedded in that system it does skew how you look at the creative versus business side of things if that makes sense yes Um, because it is I mean it's it's the whole you are the product of the five people you spend the most time with and you know when I'm surrounded by lots of people that are just pummeling out these books um you kind of just get lost in that slipstream and I think you know I'm there's there's a lot of like things in the background that I'm sure I'm happy to talk to you about sort of like maybe off air um that (laughs) have contributed to being slower with my own work but it's definitely something I'm kind of slipping back into but yeah i think you know keeping the the truth the creativity that experimentation at the heart of what you're writing is is fundamental to especially writing books that people enjoy and ones that are remembered
1: yeah well definitely i i think also i mean i i felt no different um entering bird box entering daphne and that sounded wrong (laughs) (laughs) wow that's in the highlight reel especially <laughs> because Daphne is like a seven foot demon monster <laughs> like oh no <laughs> oh wow. only the yeah. author
0: can know them that intimately
1: we're gonna have to yeah no that's gonna make a hell of a little sound bite um <laughs> but I felt no no different no difference um writing Daphne and writing Bird Box then then I'm approaching this vaudeville idea like yeah like so keep that in mind too is that it's not like you never know what's going to hit not quite that but because I because I love them all but it's not like I had any sense that that bird box was going to like going to connect in some way it was like I just right, let's write that's right and so that to me is probably sort of the biggest underlying factor of like just do it just do it you just yeah. you know I'm a believer of and I'm sure I said this to you before that if you stay in motion You may not end up where you saw yourself going, but you will go, you will end up somewhere because you're in motion. And I feel the same way about the books. Like, if you're sitting down to write a book, something will become in this book because it's in motion, because it's happening, something will happen with this. So, recently, I was approached by a um, comic writer, um, and he was like, Hey, so I hear you have all these unpublished novels that you, you know, Whatever that you want to seek it out in some way. Uh, what about me doing a graphic novel of one of them? And I was like, "Wow, okay." So I talked to Brian, my manager, and we both agreed that this specific one seemed totally right. This unpublished one seems so right for a graphic novel. Um, sent it to the guy, and and now there's already we're already like ten pages into the art and writing and Amazing. whatever. Yeah. So the point is like you know someone can sit down and be like oh what's this book where's this going well don't worry about that right now Mm -hmm. there's a momentum in in doing it at all and there's a momentum in finishing it for sure and who knows that book was written in probably six years ago and and it's sort of just in the flow of everything you know like that book was written it wasn't you know you get what i'm saying yeah so and now to have a graphic novel of that being made oh my god that's a beautiful yeah yeah
0: beautiful well, I will say an unearthly thank you to Josh for joining me on the podcast today. A hellish thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning in. And if you're looking for a community of fellow horror creatives where you can elevate your writing, claw your way over to writersofhorror.org. We would love to have you in our devilish clan. Josh, one more time. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Yes.
1: Thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. That was That was really fun.